You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. When it comes to how much do you have to give up? How much does a person have to lose to fulfill the mitzvah Um It would seem from a Rabbi perspective, it should be almost everything. And yet we know that's not the case. So I'd like to really take tonight's shir uh, to develop this idea in the spirit of Rabbeinu Yona, and I'm going to show you that there are achronim, a very important uh, poskim, who I think are inspired by his approach to to suggest something against what we usually consider the formal halacha. So here we go. Last week we saw that the... Um, the Gemara in Baba Kama, and I'm reviewing here a little bit, says that it quotes Rav Zeira in the name of Rav Huna. That B'mitzvah Atshlish. I mentioned before that Rav Zeira studied by Rav Huna. Uh, there's only two times or three times in Shas that the, they, although he studied by him, that he mentions his name uh, as his Rebbe. This was one of them. I, I want to mem- emphasize again, Reb Zeira was the great um, Zionist, so to speak, the great believer in, I need to live in Eretz Yisrael. He, he uh, decided that even though Reb Yehuda, his Rebbe, Reb Huna, his Rebbe, staunchly believed the Torah could thrive in Bovel, and there was brilliance in the places where he lived, Rav Zera was committed to go to Eretz Yisrael no matter what. And he, he sometimes had to act in sometimes in a duplicitous manner to make sure that his rabbis would let him go. And when he went, when he went to Eretz Yisrael eventually, um, he became a tremendous leader in Eretz Yisrael. In fact, they added in Eretz Yisrael almost consistently, he's known as Rab Zeira, as if with an ayin in his name. Not just Zeira, but Rab Zeira, as if the rabbi who made himself small, the rabbi who was known for his modesty. And yet his name appears almost uh, one of the most, uh, in Yerushalmi, if you look in Talmud Yerushalmi, almost every page you'll find Rab Zeira, Rab Zeira. What I'm trying to say is that, uh, complementing what we know from the Talmud Bavli about him, that he fasted, when he came to Eretz Yisrael, he fasted a hundred fasts to forget the way Torah was learned in Bovell. He said, my mind has been polluted, so to speak, by the Babylonian approach. I want to be a full Eretz Yisrael thinker. And he fasted that God should somehow allow him to, to think in the Eretz Yisrael style. That is Reb Zeira, Reb Zeira. So he is, a, 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 I'm fascinated by him because he really represents uh, what Rav Cook and others described, the, the prophetic way of looking at things that even the Bali Halacha have in Eretz Yisrael. And you'll see why this is relevant to what I meant before about the significance of Mitzvah Sasei in about one minute. So we have here Rav Zera quoting Rav Huna, meaning a Torah that he learned in Bovel. The Mitzvah Ad Shlish, the Babylonians say, what does that mean, Ad Shlish? Does that mean a person has to give for a mitzvah 
a third of his liquid assets. Then it'll turn out that a person basically impoverishes himself and has no liquid assets. He might still have his home and things around, but he really has no spending money at all. And what's he supposed to do? Now he's supposed to start um, pushing himself and, and start selling his house? Is that what's going to happen? It's like he has, he, has, he has nothing left, the Gemara says. So the Gemara says, Ella, Omar, Rabzeira. You're right, that's a great question. We're talking about in a mitzvah itself, how much more for the mitzvah you have to pay? Ad shlish mitzvah. Okay. Oh, now we can understand. Oh, you're talking about, huh, whew, for a minute there, we thought your guy's going to become completely indigent in order to do mitzvahs. No, that's impossible. Okay. In the mitzvah itself, how much do you have to pay to have a more beautiful mitzvah? And Ravashi gets involved and says, oh, what does that mean? Does it mean a third within the mitzvah? Does it mean a third over the mitzvah? In other words, if the mitzvah, if, 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 if the esro costs $60, does that mean you pay $80 for it? Or does that mean you pay $90 for it? Take we don't know. Then it's interesting that Bimarova Amre and Eretz Yisrael, they heard about what we did in Bava with Rabzeira, and they had a different statement from Rabzeira, which aligns with this, but it's a little bit different. Ad Shlish Mishalo. You're right. That's up until a third he should do what he can. Mikan ve'elech mishalach Kaddish Baruch Indicating that from the Eretz Yisrael perspective, Ramzeira, he said, you know what? God would be okay with you spending more than that. God will take care of it. As if, on one hand, you have the practicality of Bovel. The practicality of Bovel telling you, no, you can't go too far. From Israel, the same man said, but God will take care of you. You can spend more. Don't worry. It's from God. Now, where do I have a right to say this? Other than what the Gemara says in the Bavli, I'm going to show you this Yerushalmi, which is incredible, based on the way I just learned the Bavli. Here it is. The very first Mishnah in Peah speaks about Dvarim She'ein Lehem Shi'ur. Raise your hand if you learned this Mishnah you did, right? If you said Birchas Torah today, you learned this Mishnah, right? One of the things you said was Gemilat Chasadim. Gemilat Chasadim has no shear. It's a good thing to remember during the period of Corona and other times. We say it every single day. Gemilat Chasad doesn't have shear. So on that, the Gemara says in the Yerushalmi, When it comes to money, there is a limit. Hmm. This is the Yerushalmi. And this really fits in to Rishimen Lakish quoting the great Yosi Bar Hanina, that they had a tradition that in Usha, one of the places that the Sanhedrin had um, uh, been um, exiled to, they got together and they said, something's going on here. A person should only give 20% and no more. A mitzvah here means, we're going to see in a minute, for tzedakah. And this is where we have Takanas Usha. It's mentioned in the Bavli and in the Yerushalmi here, that you only give 20% of 
your liquid assets or what you have for tzedakah. Do not do more. Ad heichon. Rav Gamliel ben Ininya v'Rav Abba Barkana Chadomar Ad Kedei Truma. So how much should you give? The Yerushalmi says. Okay, don't give 20%. But what's the average you should give for tzedakah? So one opinion is what you should do is basically take Truma and Truma's Meister together. Truma is uh, 50th. That's what you should give for tzedakah. And take Truma's Meister, which is another 10th. So add another 10th to a 50th. Maybe that's what you should take. Kharna Amar, another one said, Rav Abba Barkana, or one of the two names, said, look, it says, Kab, the Pasuk in Mishra, says, Kab, it says, Anytime it says Rashis. So in other words, and all the Rashis is together. So you have the Rashis of Bikurim, you have the Rashis of Truma, wherever it says Rashis, 30%, 40%. So the other opinion was that even though you shouldn't go past, right, it sounds like one of the opinions was that, or at least it could have been the opinion before Usha. It's unclear what the Yerushalmi is saying. Is the Yerushalmi saying what's the best after Usha or what, how much they used to give before Usha? The Gemara then says, even the way it is now, Gomil ben Inona, boy kame Ravmana, even if you do it the way now, you do 20%. But if you give 20% every year, you'll be left with nothing. This is a very similar question to the one we have in the Bavli, right? That you're going to make yourself penniless for giving tzedakah. So, Rav Mona answered, No! This is a very important answer. It's quoted in Halacha, in the in Shulchan Aruch as well. I don't know if it's in the Bavli. I'm not sure. But this is the Yerushalmi's inventive answer. The first, as you become an adult, and you don't yet have your savings, you haven't been reinvesting, your first year being married, whatever, knock off 20%, the most. In, in succeeding years, you don't have to take the 20% from the Karen from the, the principal, you're going to be investing that in, in, in the schar, in what you're going to be making, but not in the original. So it's only the very first time you as a practicing adult have to give that amount. From that point on, the tzedakah responsibility would only be for, let's say, the, the, how much your money was earning or um, how much new money you're going to be making, the schar, the revach, but not the initial basis of who you are. So in other words, the initial, let's say that the couple gets married, they have money that they're given to start off their life. If they want to be very extravagant, they can go up to 20%, they give tzedakah, but they, in, in, in succeeding years, that original amount that they start out with is inviolate. And the rest that we're talking about is money they're going to be earning based on that original amount. And that is one of the key principles of how tzedakah works. When people talk about giving miser, et cetera, et cetera. Okay? It's all based on this year, Shalmi and Peya. This is the way it's done. Okay. Now I want to show you another fascinating thing. Rav Huna. Oh, remember him from Bavel? Your Shalmi quotes him, even though he was from Bavel. 
Ravuna said mitzvah shlish. Obviously, Reb Zeyer brought it to the base medrash and to, for the for the people in Eretz Yisrael because they didn't know Ravuna. But shlish. Mahu, what did he mean? Does that mean you give a third of what you own, of what you have, for all the mitzvahs you're going to do this year? All the mitzvah achas, or maybe one mitzvah. The Yershalmi has a havamina, right? Not like the Bavli. The Bavli rejects that. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> it's impossible you're going to give a third of everything you owed. <laughs> you have three mitzvahs, you're finished. So the Yerushalmi says, wait, maybe a third meant all the mitzvahs you're going to do for the year will be a third of what you make. Or, or, the, or a third of what you were given to start out with. Oh, the mitzvahs. Maybe it could mean one mitzvah, you're going to give a third of everything you have. So, Sabrina Meymar, Lakoa mitzvahs atshlish. They thought to say, the logical thing is, no, no, every year you probably put away the amount of money, you, a third of the money you make are going to be on mitzvahs, whether it's going to be uh, a tefillin, whether it's going to be a lulav and esrog, whether it's going to be the, the wood for the sukkah, the matzah for Pesach, a third. Rav Avin said, no, I disagree. Rav Avin in the Yashami says something you're not going to hear in the Bavli. First of all, no, one mitzvah, you're going to give away a third of what you have. Afiva mitzvah achas. Rav Chaviva came and said, no, no, no. The rabbis in bubbles said differently. Rav Chaviva b'shem Rabban and the Taman. No, no, no. In Babel, they never said that. No, 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 no. This is too wild. This is too extravagant. This is too mystical. No. Shlish means what? L'domim. Hey, Chavi. It's ma'u shlish. L'domim. Shlish means for the amount of money the mitzvah would cost, you go up a third. Hey, Chavita, what does this mean? That let's say you buy, you see one mitzvah in front of you, and you find another one which is in better shape than that. Ad kama matrichan alev, ad shlish. You should spend a third more to get the better mitzvah. This was a Babylonian interpretation, and we accepted it because it came from Ravuna. We figured he probably knows what he's talking about. But when the Israelis got a hold of it, when the B'nai Yitzhak got a hold of it, they were willing to learn that it could mean you have to really spend a tremendous amount. You have to actually take a third of all your savings, the third of what you have, a third of what you're making, and I'm giving that for a mitzvah. Bavo, they said no. Bavo, they were much more cautious. Yishalmi says, my sabir of Yishavev, she'omad ve'hichlik is kol nechosev laniyah. Rabbi Shavev decided, I'm giving everything I have to tzedakah. Sholach or Gamliel, hello, Omru, Chomesh, Menachos of Amitzvah. No, no, you should only do 20%. What are you doing giving everything? So the Gemara says, this is strange. Rabbi Gamliel was before Usha. It sounds like, and we said before, that it could be before Usha they gave much more. And now you're saying Rav Gamliel, Usha, Rav Gamliel was, when the was Sanhedrin was in Yavne, or even in, if this is the original Rav Gamliel, it was in Yerushalayim. So what's Rav Gamliel talking about? It wasn't it only in Usha? So Rabbi Yossi Barbun says in the name of Rav Levi, the truth was 
this was an old tradition. It wasn't just an Usha. That they forgot it. But then later, when they got to Usha, they, they, they came to the same point. Meaning the rabbis, even in ancient, even in earlier times, knew that you shouldn't spend on Staka more than 20%. And they eventually, when they made the Takana, it turned out to be exactly what the Rishonim had, had said to you. If you see they really work on something, they can get it. That if the court decides to really try hard, they will enact something which is exactly what the original courts before them had done. But how do we know this? That if a Bezdin works hard, they will get to the truth. And in this case, the Bezdin and Usha worked hard. And it turns out that what, what they legislated was exactly what the great Rab Gamliel in, in Yerushalayim had legislated. So this teaches us that the, the Yerushalmi is saying this is a very great takana and it's very important. And if you work, okay, now, what's my point here? Yes, the Yerushalmi is, I, I want to make a, a, a substantiated difference here between tzedakah and mitzvahs. Gemilas Chesed is a mitzvah to anyone. But there's a difference between the mitzvahs that you have to do and the fact that someone sticks his hand out and comes to you and says that he needs money or institution needs money. There, the Yerushalmi thinks it's very laudable what the rabbis did. But when it comes to mitzvahs, the Yerushalmi was somewhat not so sure. I believe that in the Yerushalmi and even in Reb Zeyre and the Bavli, there is a source to, to begin to push the envelope here and say that when it comes to mitzvahs, especially one that you might not be able to fulfill, you might have to do everything it takes and say, look, God, you want me to do this. I'm going to do it. Now, the great Rivad, who was a Makubal, said clearly that that's not true based on the Bavli. And the reason why he gave was, as we saw last week, was because if you do this, you, were, you are going to become a person who can, who's going to need the rest of the community to support you. Yitzarech Librios. I talked, the title of today's class, as you saw in the email, was Indigence versus Dependence. The Rivet says that to become dependent, that you were once independent, and now your life is going, you're going to be dependent. Who knows how long, right? Just like Blanche Dubois said, right? I depend on the kindness of strangers, right? And maybe they're not strangers, but there are people from your community who now know that you have become on the list of the people who need tzedakah. Um, the Ravad says that as great as mitzvah says are, and he's the one who said you can't even put a number to it. But you as a human being do not have to become dependent. And therefore the Ravad conflates both. He says tzedakah to others and mitzvahs for yourself are the same. Is it exactly the same amount? Is it possible that maybe mitzvahs are even less? 
again, I show you the Rashba's quoting of the Raiva. Ha'oni kemisa, that being in a state of dependence is like death. Now, if it's like death, then maybe, even when it comes to low sases, it should be that way. You don't have to give up your life only for the three Averis Hamuros, not for every other, not for Shatnez, not for Chazir, not for Shabbos. So if the Rivad's right, maybe the people who are Machal Shabbos in the United States, when they came here in the beginning of the 20th century, said, look, I didn't want to become a person that was on the dole, that, that the only way I could keep Shabbos is because I would now have to get tzedakah from the various tzedakah factions that New, that New York and the, and the Northeast or wherever it was that you were working. This was the, right, that they felt, yeah, I'm not dying. But the Ravid says living in a, a state of dependence is like death. So if that's true, death would mean, is that considered the death that maybe we should be matir? Mitzvah slosa say, for v'chai behem. We always think about the most drastic way. The guns to your head. You're going to die in a day or two. What about the fact that you are going to live like this? The Ravid says. So the Rashba, explaining the Ravid, the Talmud of Rabbeinu Yonah, the Rashba says, the Ravid doesn't mean it's really death. Lo kamisa mamish amar harav. It doesn't mean that it's really like you're going to die. Right? And first of all, um, it's only with mitzvahs ase, as we said last week, that not doing it means you're not, you're not really doing, you're not doing something. With los ase, since it's not really death, you have to give up all your money. If you're in a situation like Shabbos, and this is the only way you can live, then you become indigent. And maybe even more, you become dependent and maybe even indigent, possibly. Um, I say this because I think there's a big difference between the two. Um, in, in practical halacha, what does this mean in terms of mitzvah saseh? Um, the Rosh says in, in, in Baba Kama, you do not pay a lot of money. What's considered by the community a lot of money, you, do, you don't have to do it. His student, Rabbeinu Yerucham, says the same thing. And he indicates that, that it should be the same as you should not spend more than 20% on a mitzvah. However, Rabbeinu Yerucham says that 10% you do need to buy and spend on a mitzvah. The Beis Yosef uh, doesn't know where Rabbeinu Yerucham gets this, that you're chayiv to. Rabbeinu Yerucham says up to 10% you're chayiv to give for one mitzvah. But you definitely don't have to go more than, uh, than 20%. But 10% your chai. That is the psak of Rabbeinu Yerucham, seemingly built on the rush. Does uh, Rabbeinu Yerucham say 
10% above the normal cost of the minyan? No. Mitzvah, he's talk, so, he's talking, uh, so he's talking about a mitzvah overus. I'll read it to you now. Mm-hmm. Hon Rav is, is, is an exact replication of the Russian's language, Bob. Now, so a Hon Rav, that's for sure. A super amount of money that anybody would consider over and above, he definitely don't have to pay. Now, Rav Gamliel, who did it, really did not have to. He did it because he was the Nasi. Uh, uh, he did something beyond, but he does not want people to feel like Rav Gamliel and the Gemara and Sukkah, who spent a thousand zoos for an Esrib, should be a model. We should not spend, Rosh and Rabbeinu, and Rabbeinu Yerucham are against extravagant spending on mitzvahs. However, Rabbeinu Yerucham does say that up to 10%, of everything you own, a tenth of your nechassim. Does this mean you're, you have to sell the fridge or sell your, your books or sell your furniture? I don't know. But definitely 10% of your liquid, what's in the bank, you'd have to give. Um, but definitely you shouldn't give more. Now, Rabbeinu Yerucham, um, uh attitude is challenged by the Ran. The Ran says, quoting the Raivad first, but then he says, Everybody should really give. If he's very rich, for example, you should spend a lot of money on a mitzvah. If you're a Rav Gamliel type person. Rav Gamliel was not a weird exception. Rav Gamliel was a model that everyone, and if you have modern-day Reichmans, Gamliels, Vanderbilts, whoever they are, or you have, just, you should spend kefum mimone. Now, he doesn't go back to say, like, the Yerushalmi, that you should, you should impoverish yourself and just think that God's going to help you. However, the Ron, the, the Ron's attitude is much different than the Rosh and Rabbeinu Yerucham. The Rosh and Rabbeinu Yerucham are, are, are really trying to keep Klau Yisrael within limits in terms of how much they're going to give out for mitzvah saseh. The Ron agrees that you don't, perhaps, maybe you don't have to in tzedakah, but in mitzvahs you should try to give whatever you can if you have that. Um, now, the Ron's student was Rabbi Yosef Ibn Chaviva, the Namuka Yosef. He doesn't always agree with the Ron. But a lot of this stuff is from him. And he says something a little bit different. Remember the statement that Rab Zaira gave from Israel? Up to a third, Mishalot. I asked you before, I mentioned before, what does that mean? Of what's in your bank account? That's what it would seem like. The Ran says, the Mnukiyosef says, you know what Mishalot means for a Hidra Mitzvah? It means that you have to miyigio. Let me explain this. What, what is a poor person? What is a person who doesn't have? We know that if a person is in debt and is not paying his debts, the Besden comes in and does a real job of determining what he owns. They'll go through his covers 
meaning what type of covers he has. Is it a down cover or just a regular one? They'll go through the amount of today's time. How many cars do you have? What sort of apartment do you live in? What sort of house do you have? And they will cut up his credit cards. They will tell him you should sell your house and move into something smaller. That is only done when a Balchov is knocking on Bezdin's door and saying, this guy isn't paying me. Generally, if a person is a, 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 who needs money for tzedakah, we do not do that. We don't go in and say, we don't question his, his rent. We don't question his mortgage. We don't say, hmm, you know, you want to take public funds. What we're going to do is uh, determine, you know, you have a whole bunch of stuff in your house you could sell before you have to come on to us. We don't do that. That's a Mishnah and pay him. We let the person take. A person has a right to make those choices. We don't interfere. Now, if he's not paying his debts to an individual, that's different than the fact that he's now on the list that he gets tzedakah from the community. Again, the Republicans out there are going to be are not going to be happy with what, what I just said. But that is Chazal's take. So, here's the interesting thing we don't also tell the guy, look, go and work. We got jobs for you to do. I don't have. We don't tell him. We don't tell the, the guy who wants tzedakah that we force him to take a job where he can now generate more money. We don't tell him, you know what? There's ditches you can dig. There's other things that you can do that you can make money. Right? Now, that's called Yigio. He doesn't have the money, but we know there's people who, who want this, these jobs done. There's toilets that need to be cleaned. There's sewers that need to be washed. There's people out there. Now, you could go do it. Go and get that job. That's what the Muka Yosef says means Mishalom. Now, when it comes to getting a better mitzvah, what you need to do is Go out and work. See the language that I have up here. He's pushing his life. I'm not used to doing this work. I've never, I've never cleaned sewers before. Oh, I'm coming home. I'm broken. I never worked. I, I already had one job. Oh, I should work a second job, a third job? No. That's what the Gemara meant when it means Mishalo. Mishalom means dig deep in yourself and you can find it. Remember where that came from. That came from Israel. <laughs> that attitude that you need to, I don't got the money. You can get the money. Where? We need some ditch diggers. Look, I'm on the record here. I was getting unemployment. I get uh, stuff on my email all the time from the state of New Jersey. Right, we need this. We need that. There's plenty of little jobs, right? I don't even. I never even look what they are because I know that even though I can maybe possibly do it, I'm not going to even think about that. But that's not the way it works, according to the Bnei Eretz Yisrael. They said Mishalo, even when it came to Hidr Mitzvah, you can do it. Don't say you don't have enough money for matzah shmura. You know what? 
before Pesach, what you should be doing, instead of getting, the, you're going to have to buy the machine matzah uh, from, from Streitz, Manischewitz, you want to get the more Mahuder matzah? Okay, I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to take a job, you're going to be able to earn that money that you need, and even though you don't have it now, and even though it means you come home like a shmata, because you have to work extra in order to afford it, you got to do that. Now, if it's even more than a third, that's from God. What does that mean if it's from God? God means, hey, is it part of what I have now? If God will somehow allow me to, 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 to win the lottery, it's not coming from my extra work. My boss decided to give me a raise on my regular job. That's from God. From yourself means, this is the point I'm trying to make. Normally, we don't touch that part of yourself. We don't make you sell your house and we don't make you go out and dig ditches. But, the, the, but we're saying, yes, you don't have money, you can get money. Miyagiyo. And even though we know that's dochek as So that is what the, um, the Rebbe, the Namuka Yosef says should be done for mitzvahs, even for hider mitzvahs. One of my favorite heroes in halacha is Rabbi Shlomo Luria, the marshal. I've mentioned him here often. The marshal says, he quotes in the Baba Kama, says the following. First of all, he liked to say that even this whole idea of spending a third more for a mitzvah probably only applies to a mitzvah where being beautiful is crucial, like an esrog. That's one thing. Not like Rashi, who says it applies to a Sefer Torah. He says, not. Nah. He says, when it comes to a shofar, or even a pair of tefillin, in other words, hidr mitzvah applies for, for, so the marshal is really, in a way, like Rabbeinu Yerucham and the Rosh, saying, wait, wait, wait. First of all, I want people to know, don't overspend. You need to, um, you need to kafi nidvas yodo. You need to spend according to who you are. When it comes to mitzvot, the marshal says we need seichel. In fact, I want to show you how far he goes. He says, I saw this Nemuka Yosef that says you need to push yourself to be mahadara mitzvah. Lo nehira, I don't think it's right. You do not need to uh, make yourself crazy to get a new job in order to afford mitzvahs. Ki bevadai, mi shachayev nitchokim. For whatever choices you made, you are living in a state where you're barely living from uh, paycheck to paycheck. That's all you got, hand to mouth. If that's who you are, and you don't really have extra, do not spend extra money on a beautiful estrog at all. Because hidr mitzvah means you have a bunch of money. You had a bunch of money in an account. But if you don't have that money, and the way you're going to get the money is by going out to work, you don't need to do that. You don't have to be dochek your life and feel the pressure. 
even if it's about getting one esrog and you can't afford it, if your life is in dochek, you don't have to do this. Now, this doesn't mean becoming indigent. This doesn't even mean becoming dependent. This means mitzvah, the marshal is a champion of saying, look, if doing this mitzvah has now caused you to feel that there is now a tension throughout your life and, and, and you, you really are living hand to mouth, you don't have to go borrow in order to do it. Don't, you're you're putter from the mitzvah. He, he, he speculates that. As tough as he was, as, 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 as maverick independent as he was, but you see where he's going. What I'm trying to show you is that there is a Yershalmi, Eretz Yisrael, Ran, Nemuka Yosef uh, attitude. Let me just finish this point. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. They are ready to push the envelope as far as giving away for mitzvahs. The attitude of the Rosh, and more even stronger than the Marsha than them is the Marshal coming after them, Shomaluria in the 16th century is if you realize that you are going to have Chayim Nitchokim, even though you're going to lose this mitzvah for this year. You, mitzvahs do not make that demand on you. And you are that's Hon Rav for you. That's called Hon Rav. You know why? Because for you, having to work an extra job or whatever it is, or whatever the amount is, that's own rob. Now, the problem that Marshall had was near Hanukkah and David Kosos, the Gemara says you have to go, right? When it comes to near David Kosos, the Gemara says you have to, I feel the poorest guy has to go and borrow. Marshall doesn't explain why they're different. But for some reason, these little two mitzvahs to Rabona are somehow forced, even the Marshall, who is the great, I would say, um, what I would call him is a practical person, practical, uh, worried about people's uh, financial situation. He doesn't want to cause any damage to that. And again, he lets people off the hook for these mitzvahs to do. So it's, it's, it's beyond, it's not becoming dependent. It's definitely not becoming indigent. It's even, it, it, it created tension. You do not, you can walk away from that mitzvah. I, he's not going to argue with the fact that Dalit Kosis and Hanukkah is different. We can speculate why, which we will do in a minute or so. But that's the marshal, that, that's the marshal's opinion. Uh, and I think, in a way, it runs counter to Rabbeinu Yonah, right? It runs counter to what I'm trying to build here. It is a Babylonian opinion. It's almost like, hey, what you're going to, right? It's, it's, it's like the Chachmei Bavel. It's like what the Chachmei Bavel did, even taking it uh, to an extreme. Okay, you had a question, Dr. Kogan. What did you want to say? Yes, I, I'm just thinking of a principle, uh, mm-hmm. you know, right? Right. 
right. So in order to be besame, you know, Hashem gives you. If that's how we the principle of Judaism, right? Hashem gives you whatever parnosa, whatever uh, the the is, right? So if you're pushing yourself beyond that. It's yeah, you know, it's it's questionable. I would say it's it's questionable. I would I would uh, um, side. You know, I would I would agree with the Bavlim uh, because uh, otherwise you're pushing so beyond your comfort zone where you should be. Uh, you know, in in a balance, right? But 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 I think one of the purposes Rabbeinu Yona had in writing his Sefer was to push people out of that comfort zone. Um, and and, and I, I uh, 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 because uh, because otherwise they are going to dismiss how important. Hey, I'll do a mitzvah, but no, not if I'm gonna get chayav nitchalkim from it, right? Rabbi, yeah, yeah. I, I want to. I agree totally with Dr. Kogan, and um, I think that it's a, a case can be made that uh, this is actually you started this program by talking about Abaltose, this attitude that uh, is being expressed here by the people in, in Eretz Yisrael is Baltose. I'm sorry if that sounds heretical, but the point is that we have Torah laws that say, for example, if you're married, you're responsible for making sure that your wife has food and shelter, for example. And if you impoverish yourself so you can't do that, uh, in order to do a positive mitzvah, you give away your means of a livelihood, I, I, or you have to mortgage it or something like that, you're violating a law. And in fact, that's exactly what the Gemara says, that a per, call, um, uh, 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 call uh, what is it? Anyone who adds to a mitzvah is... Call a mitzvah goreya. That's exactly it. So that's that's what this is. It's it's not just that it's unreasonable and making demands as Dr. Kogan, Kogan says, and I believe he's correct, but, but it's actually causing people to violate mitzvot that are in the Torah. The responsibility to another person, right? Which is- That's exactly right. 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 And, um, and so when you say your possessions, uh, from your possession, I mean, you didn't say it, but I mean, it, what you're reading there, so I'm just wondering if that's, I mean, that language doesn't even make any sense because once all that you have is obligated by your responsibilities to your family, it's not just your wife, but your children as well. Good point. Um, all right. That is a, that is a good point. And, and the idea of sort of throwing everything to the wind and expecting God, but you saw the Yishami, you know, there were interpretations of the Yishami like that. I'll take care of you. Go beyond, Right. Uh, God will take care. There is an Eretz Yisrael attitude that it can happen. Now, again, I, I don't want to become political here, but you know that that there was in many for many years there was a uh, dismissive attitude for the people living in Eretz Yisrael because the only way they lived was from the Chalukah, right? Because people from Chutzlaretz were sending them money and they were able to live the it, holy it life. It comes from that principle. It comes from there. Yep, yep. Right. That, well. I am living this life. It's almost like I'm living the life you should be living. <laughs> Send me money and I'll be able to live that life. But is, but is that correct? Now, um, I, I want to I, I get to Rabbi Yaakov Emden, who I think is really going to you know, surprise you. I, I quoted here the Marshal. 
um, and, and, and he's already beginning to be more uh, militant in a sense or more practical. Uh, the generation after the Marshal, Rabbi Yol Sirkish, the Bach, really one of the most important of our sort of, you know, in terms of what he does on the Gemara page, what he does in Halacha, um, it, it's unfortunate that his son-in-law did so much to cover up his significance. Uh, his son-in-law, the Taz, uh, consistently in Shulchan Aruch, um, quotes his father-in-law and disagrees with him. It, it's funny that the Mogan Avram, who is the other, you know, uh, goes together with the, the, the Shulchan Aruch, who is sort of like a, almost a contemporary, a little bit younger than the, the Taz, brings back the Bach's Psokim. But anyway, the Bach is, is in many ways ignored uh, by many of the serious people who are trying to get smicha. When they want to learn uh, Beis Yosef for smicha, tour Beis Yosef, they usually skip the Bach. The Bach here makes a, has a very good question, which I think is worth l- listening to. What did we say before? Let's talk about mitzvah sase versus mitzvah sase. We said a mitzvah say you need to give up everything if that's the choice. So, um, if you remember the Gemara, the Gemara in Sanhedrin says the following. It says, we say in Kriyashma, Bechol levavcha, u'bechol nafshacha, u'bechol mo'odecha. Avas Hashem. Avas Hashem is equated with Avodah Loving God and only God. As opposed to, I'm going to make you do Avodah Zarah and betray God. So the Gemara, the, 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 the Gemara quotes the Drasha. Why does that have to say Bechol Ma'odecha? There are certain people, right? Like the old Jack Benny joke, I'm thinking, right? They would actually, their mammon is more important than their goof, especially if they have children that they want to give the money to. And they would rather die than give up away all their money. That's why it says to say that if this is the choice that the man has for you to do Avodah Zarah, or to give all your money, give all your money away. So the Bach says, you see from there, it seems that only in Avodah Zarah they have to give away all your money. But other Lota says, you don't. Right? By Avodah Zarah, that's the Zeres HaKosif. Avas Hashem and Avodah Zarah, that is the opposite. That's where you have to give away all your money. But when it comes to any other Lota say, you don't have to give all the way your money away. That's his question. So the Bach gives an answer. I don't know if I have a, a way to respond to this answer. It's a good answer. But it makes you think. The Bach speculated for a time that even when it came to lotases, you do not have to become a complete indigent person. Even when it comes to lotases, you, you don't have to become, even though you violated the lotase, you actually bow down to the Avodah well, there you have to die. But Shabbos, I, I did the Chilul Shabbos. I was forced, let's say, by some non-Jew in Machal Shabbos. Or I went to work because I did not want to become completely indigent. Maybe uh, that's, I have a right to do that. So the, the Bach says, Adarabah. Really, Misham Raya. The Gemara, because the Gemara asks, why does that have to say, What's the Gemara's kasha? 
it needs to say, or the Bryce's Kasha, it needs to say Bamoadecha to tell you, because it's only true by Avodazara. Really, of course, nobody life is the ultimate. But it had to say Bakomodecha to tell you that even though in every other mitzvah, you don't have to give up all your money, but in Avodazara you do. So what's the Gemara's Kasha? Now, I have an answer to this, because why is it said last? It should have said, That's the way it should have said. Right? The order should be second, not third. But the Bach is learning that the Gemara could have answered. It says, because in Avodah Zarah is different than every other Lotase that you have to give up, even if it's not in front of anybody, it's Avodah Zarah itself, you need to give up all your money, but every other mitzvah you don't. The fact that the Gemara doesn't answer that is a proof that every other mitzvah, you do have to give up everything. Otherwise, the Gemara's question, the Gemara doesn't have to invent Jack Benny. The Gemara doesn't have to invent, oh, there's some people that love their money more. Just say, we're trying to teach you how Zara is different than all the other mitzvahs. Right? It must be that all other mitzvahs, all the Rishonim are right. The Raivad was, the Rashba was right. All other mitzvahs, you do have to give up everything and become completely indigent. Now, which means there's no support network for you, but you still have to give up everything. Remember the Marshal says, you are definitely high of Nidchok, but for to not to do a low say, the box says, I agree, you have to give up everything. Now, I want to show you Rabbi Yaakov Emden. Rabbi Yaakov Emden is, you know, people who, who are wealthy and can print their own svarim. Uh, Rabbi he wasn't that wealthy, but he had his own printing press. So they are able to, to, their ideas can become disseminated. We have them. There's so many great thinkers that unfortunately they wrote and they wrote, but we didn't have, they weren't able to get their stuff published. Things that they had were left in notebooks those notebooks were either lost or burnt. Rav Yaakov Emden, because he was able to publish his own svarim, uh, a lot of his literary ideas have made it into our, and, and we have them. There's still stuff that they're finding in, in, in manuscript. <laughs> but he was able to, to produce a parish of Mishnayis. He was able to produce a huge set of chuvas. He was able to produce so many svarim against Rabionis and Ivishitz and others. So this is his safer on the tour, called Mor Uktsia. So he says, first of all, I don't understand how you cannot give up everything for a mitzvah. So he is actually, surprisingly, despite the fact that he lived in this rational age, he is really a return to the purity of Rabbeinu Yonah, Eretz Yisrael attitude. He says, my time yimamono chomer migufo. We know, as Rabbi Yonah told us, you beat a person to death almost to do a mitzvah. So if you beat a person to death to do a mitzvah, you obviously would give up all your money before you get beaten like that. So that's one proof. Now he pushes that proof away. What does it mean that we beat the guy up? Not because you got to do a mitzvah, and I love you, and I'm beating you up to do the mitzvah. The reason why I'm beating you up is because you have the ability to do it, and you don't want to do it. So I'm beating you up is because 
You could do the mitzvah. You don't want to. I'm treating you like an apikoris. That's his pshat and why we We don't beat him up to get the mitzvah done. We beat him up because his attitude is dangerous. And we could actually kill him, possibly. So we beat him up to show everybody, you see this bum? What, he, he doesn't believe in mitzvahs anymore? He's got the money. He can do it. That is Rabbi Yaakov Emden's pshat in Makino Soachatete Nafsha. Okay. So, all right, that's, so, but, but it says, but Madua Lote Mitzvah Daraisa Chamuribakach, Kaarbakosis Fener Chanaka Darabonon. I understand the, the Marshal had to accept the exception, but I don't get it, Yaakov uh, Emden says. Marshal, why do you, how can these, you, you, pursue oh, oh, somehow that's better. How can it be better than a mitzvah from God? I understand this tells us about miracles, that God loves us, he keeps on loving. Can that be greater than a mitzvah, I say? So in other words, if you have to, if you have to, if you have to basically dig ditches, beg, become, my chai is nitchokim, I have to go and beg. Nobody's lending me any money. I've got to go go on the tzedakah dole. I'm going to do whatever it is. And if, I have to knock on doors to have enough money. I have to embarrass myself. So he says, for sure, on a mitzvah daraisa. And then he says, I don't even agree that lota says are so much more chomer. In belota say chayiv adam lahotzi kol mamona v'loyavor. Maybe an asay is even greater. We know, I say is dochalos. I say, Bob, you brought this up last week. Forget about the problems involved in Rabbeinu's construction. The basic idea that God would rather you fulfill this assay than this los assay being violated shows you the assay is greater. So, where does this come from? That los assay, you shouldn't give up all your money. Now you're going to tell me because, like I said at the end of last week's year, but I'm physically doing the act. I'm physically, you can't call me an ones because I'm physically doing this act. I'm putting the chazer into my mouth. I'm doing this malach on Shabbos. He says, I don't know if that's true. He says, I'm only doing it because because there's a gun to my head. I'm only doing it because I would be, I wouldn't be, what, what, what would happen to me otherwise? So maybe once you're on the level of ones, an action or a non-action should be the same. The Gemara that this is all built on, the Bavli, might be not talking about giving, buying a lulu of an esrog or a mitzvah that you won't be able to do later. Maybe it's a, a, having a safer Torah, which you'll be able to buy later in your life, or, or tzedakah, where there are other people in the community that can give that tzedakah. But, If, when it comes to a mitzvah saseh, um, bidolo efsher, and it's not pikuach nefesh for you to do this mitzvah, you have to give everything. Look what he says here. Tzorach lemesav l'kulei beise. Now you're going to say, Bob and Dr. Kogan, but your wife... Your, your children. Look what he says here. Mishum Hatsolas Nefesh. 
What does Rabbi Yaakov Emden mean? <laughs> because of Hatzalas Nefesh. Hatzalas Nefesh means your neshama. In other words, if, you, if, if, if you're not going to die here, even if it means becoming um, dependent on the community, and even though you turn into a different person, you tell your wife and your family, we saved our souls. We saved our nefesh. Now this is, again, Rabbi Yaakov Emden, you wouldn't expect this from him, but this is very much in line with the Rabbeinu Yonah, the Ravitz question, and very much against where the marshal and others were coming from. That Mishuma, there's your nefesh, and your nefesh trumps that. I, I want to I conclude with another statement from Rabbi Yaakov Emden. Um, Rabbi Yaakov Emden has a sefer called Migdal Oz. Um, I have an old copy of it. Uh, in recent years, many of his large amount of descendants have, have have started to republish his works in, in, in editions that are a little clearer to read. Um, and I have one of those up here on the board here from the Sefer Migdalos. He writes, where is it that you need to give up all your money not to be over Lotase? Hainu dafka b'mokom sheyesh b'nei odam sheyirachmuhu. Where you live in a community where there is gemilas chesed. The type of people are going to support you. And they're going to make sure that you're not going to go under. And even though you're finished. Remember what the Raivet himself said. That's death. <laughs> That's like death. <laughs> that, you, that you need others to, to support you. Rabbi Yaakov Emden says that when it comes to a lotase, you have now given up everything. You are now an extremely poor person who is dependent on the community. You are dependent. But in a situation where you can't make ends meet at all, because no one's helping you. You know the type of community that you live in. So Rabbi Yaakov Emden has actually done a, a very interesting thing if you take both of these sources together. First of all, he has gone against the Rishonim. He has become, he has taken Rabbeinu Yonah to the extreme. And he said, a mitzvah say you have to give up everything. However, you never have to become indigent. Dependent, yes, but indigence is pikuach nefesh. Now that's a chiddush. Most people would say pikuach nefesh means you lose your life. He says, listen to this psak, that if your situation is, whether it's chil Shabbos, other than the three big three Averos of and becoming indigent, and that would be different in Muncie, in, Sa, in, in, in Seagate, 
in places where the community is there with their broad shoulders, giving up all your money still means you'll live a different life, yes, but you'll live and you'll have enough. But you won't be indigent. You will have the people, you will be taken care of. It's not Kovadik, perhaps, but they'll take care of you. But if anyone is ever in a situation where they are lost completely, there is no community that logically will take care of them. Not the possibility, it's there. That's called Pikuach Nefesh down the line. And that would include Shabbos as well. So Rav Yaakov Emden on one hand is a big machmir when it comes to how much you have to go for mitzvah saseh. But he's also told us that Pikuach Nefesh doesn't mean literally losing your life. Indigence is losing your life. Because, yeah, you'll be draying around for a while, but eventually, now, is it because you'll starve to death? Is that what it means? Possibly. But it's pikuach nefesh. Um, the, um, and so in that way, he's sort of like, <laughs> there's a balance here. But with mitzvahs, I say, he, he continues to believe, um, as he writes here, as far as mitzvahs, I say, he says, I don't agree with the rush that it's 20% maximum. He says, look what I wrote in the Moravikziya, he says. Which means he really believes that people should push themselves to, to, to sort of go out on a limb and live this Eretz Yisrael type of mentality. But he gives this heter as far as Pikuach Nefesh goes. So I think it's, it's interesting where this balance lies. Now, is Rabbeinu Yonah the, the ultimate <laughs> you know, uh, influencer of this? I don't know. But I do believe that we, I think I've, I've done enough to prove that there definitely is these two strands. And as I said before, I think it really goes back to Rabzeira and Eretz Yisrael and Bavel. In Bavel, we are logical. We take the thing apart. And there's a reason why you, die, you fast a hundred fasts to get a whole different type of mental attitude. And, and, and even though you bristle at it, my audience here tonight, there does seem to be something, even as you see in Rabbi Yaakov Emden, that, that, that pushes towards the idea that, that, that how powerful these things are. Again, I'm, I'm happy to say that that's where the fault line disappears between indigence and dependence. You're right, Bob. You owe it to your family. And now, all of a sudden, your wife has to call up the gemach to make sure that the heat stays on. But there's a gemach there. And the gemach is there, and in a way, you're the beneficiary of that. That's, that's, that's the way, that's, that would have to be the answer. And, and that's what they would tell you. But I think that the, um, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's a very telling. And I think that, I, I don't think I'm uh, speculating too much to say, it's still the attitude that has filtered into Haredi life in Eretz Yisrael today is really in a way that can be really traced back all the way to uh, that original amount, uh, the original Rabzeira, and through Rabbeinu Yonah and others. 
Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.